0: Welcome to episode one of the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're excited to kick things off with a Facebook Live session recorded with a few of our team members where we discuss infertility and communication with our spouse, friends, family, and others. We hope you enjoy it and please subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. I'm Allie. I'm James. I'm James. And we've got Anne and Keith. Um, Hi. And we've got Stacy and Phil on as well. Hello. Wow. (laughs) So we're excited to be with you guys today. We're going to be talking about infertility and communication. This was one of the top um, discussion points that people brought up from the Mother's Day retreat that we had um, last May. Thank you if you joined us for that and if you gave us feedback on what you wanted to hear more about. And so this was one of the topics that really came through as something that people just wanted to delve into a little deeper, um, communicating with your spouse. A lot of us talked about how men and women really approach this infertility, struggle <laughs> differently. Um, so we're going to touch on that. And we're also going to talk about communicating with other people in our lives, with our friends and family and um, pastors and other people that we come into contact with. So we're going to get into it with a few questions, but Anne, I'll turn it over to you if you have anything you want to add to that?
1: No, we're just really glad to have you all there. You know, the last Facebook Live, which was the first Facebook Live that we did, um, we really had um, a good turnout and a lot of good comments and questions. So, you know, we do encourage that. And even if you're not joining us live, and um, you're watching this later, or you're listening on the podcast, you know, please get in touch with us. Um, Let us know about other topics that, that you'd like to hear about. We do have another Facebook live coming in July. And I know Ali will talk about that a little bit later. Um, but if you have questions or comments, or, you know, we're talking about communication tonight. If you have tips and tricks and things that, that work, um, things that you have found with your spouse work really well with your communication or in your other relationships. I mean, we could spend a really long time talking about communication in general, And I think we'll touch on not only communication with our spouses, but also with other people in our lives, our family and friends, and I think also with God. I think prayer is definitely an aspect of communication um, that's really important for us dealing with infertility, but, you know, just also dealing, you know, in all of our relationships as well.
0: Yep, so we have people, um, looks like, are joining us. So thank you so much for all 'all y'all on there. (laughs) And um, please, like Anne said, we want to have this be a discussion. So if you have comments, questions, things you want to add, please go ahead and type them there. We have it pulled up so we'll be able to see them um, live and talk about them. And um, also wanted to just quickly point out that if you weren't able to join us for the retreat, it is still available on our website. Is that, that's right, Anne?
1: Yes, it is. Um, There's a register button. If you click that, um, it'll take you to a little registration page. I mean, we just need your name and your email and we'd like to know how you heard about the retreat as well. And then we'll send you the code to get in and you know, it's all free. The videos are there. You can watch them, you know, at your leisure. Um, You can rewatch them if, if you'd like to um, kind of see or hear something again. And we also have some great handouts. Everybody put together some really good handouts to go along with it. So um great little um catalysts for communication, right? See see what I did there?
2: I like the alliteration. That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can even send, you know, let other people know um if there's someone in your life who really wants to know how to better communicate with people who are struggling with this, whether it's your pastor or a parent or a friend, or just, you know, please share the retreat with them, share a ministry with them as well. Um, It's not limited just to people who are actually suffering with infertility themselves. So, yeah, I think um, we'll go ahead and open it up with one of the questions that we received from um, kind of the follow-up conversation that we had on Facebook um, after the retreat. We asked for um, content questions that y'all were interested in diving in deeper. And one of the questions around infertility that came up was, Okay, so we're both already really stressed and overwhelmed. I think we can all relate to this, especially right now with everything going on in the world. Um, I know y'all were talking right before this about how we're finally like coming out of this current um, coronavirus situation slowly but surely in a lot of places. But the point is a lot of us are stressed and overwhelmed with any number of things going on in our lives. So one of the questions we received was how can we really support each other through the difficulties of infertility, when they're on top of what's already a stressful day, a stressful season, or, you know, stressful world that we're living in. So let's go ahead
1: and start with that one. You have anything you want
2: to jump in there (laughs)
1: for? Don't stress him out.
2: Yeah, come on. It's been a long day. (laughs) You're stressed too. (laughs) Come on, man. Uh, No, I think yeah, you know, when we're talking about things that are are stressed and, and difficult, I mean, the starting point for that always has to be try to see where your spouse is coming from. Um, so much of how we interact with each other really comes down to, are we listening? Are we paying attention? Um, and being able to read those signs in your spouse, I think, always kind of sets the landscape for whatever kind of conversations are going to be coming, coming up and how to most charitably respond to that. Because I think that's always the place to start from, Right always start from a place of charity whenever you're trying to especially head into difficult conversations uh, during difficult times for each of us.
0: Yeah. And I think just acknowledging, like, especially right now, I mean, this is a really strange time for most of us. And I think just acknowledging that and bringing that up as part of our conversations is somehow um, really helps just to say, okay, this is, you know, not something we faced before, or there's just a level, a base level of stress right now for a lot of people that's, Kind of our part in playing into our conversations. Um, so just acknowledging that, I think, um, is an important part as well.
1: Yeah, and I think we also have to just be aware, um, especially aware of each other and the differences in, for example, our jobs. I mean, Keith has Continued throughout this whole time of quarantine, you know, Keith has continued to go to his job. I teach online, so I, you know, I don't go to an office anyway, but I was used to going to the library or a coffee shop, you know, so now I've been sort of stuck at home. So, one thing that I have to um, be, I think, mindful of is that he's been out and navigating, you know, some of the craziness that goes along with all the restrictions and all these different requirements. And, you know, I've just been at home and when he comes home, um, you know, I I can't just kind of let the floodgates open on him and just expect him to, you know, take in everything that I have had, you know, kind of pent up in me all day long. Um, you know, and I I don't know if you want to say anything, Keith, but on his part, you know, that he, he thinks about, you know, my situation all day and that I have been just kind of home and sort of out of my normal routine. I don't know if you want to add to that.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it it just, everybody likes routine, you know, and and we can't have our daily routine it makes people, makes people upset a little, little more, um, uh, quick to be angered, it's real easy. You know, if you go on any shopping anywhere, uh, people are a lot ruder when they have a mask on because they don't care. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is a difference. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I mean, I think it's important to, um, you know, to as you said, James, to kind of see where each other is coming from. That's the case all the time, but especially in you know in these really weird circumstances. Well,
0: y'all are at the lake, Phil and Stacy, so you don't seem too stressed right now, but <laughs> I'm sure you've encountered some stress.
4: We opened a box of Moscato um, for, I think it was after lunch at least, but <laughs> <Nice. laughs> um, but when, when approaching this question, I think um, particularly to, not necessarily related to COVID, I mean, everything with that is stressful at like being stuck and like, Um, thankfully the past few weeks, um, we've been able to like hang out with friends finally and do those kinds of things and, um, hosting things in our backyard with like some young adults from our church. So that's been really great for a while. It felt like we were just really stuck. Um, but this makes me think to like some of our experiences when we were pursuing, um, uh, like Medications and different procedures for or infertility. And I remember just like really, really wrestling with like interiorly with questions about like my identity and my value as a woman and as a wife. and like being almost embarrassed or like ashamed to ask questions to my husband about like, who, like, that, like, that he still loves me, and that, like, no matter what we're going through, and, like, it took me a long time to, like, work myself up to that point, and, and I think the, sometimes the experience of those treatments and medications, um, that was, like, incredibly stressful, um, like, I think a lot more stressful than the experience of that quarantine and COVID have had, Mm -hmm. and, um, like, I guess for me, it was, like, I needed to get over my fear of what my husband might say and then like finally like put the question out there because you like, it's so easy to just like keep it to yourself and hope that maybe he expresses to me the things that I need to hear, but it's more than likely that he's not going to (laughs) know what it is that I need to hear. So like telling him, like asking him the really tough questions that I've been wrestling with or telling him like, I am struggling with this I need you to say this to me right now in this moment. And, and really just, just saying to him, like, I can't, I can't expect him to know what my needs are and what I need to hear. Um, But kind of getting over, getting over like my own embarrassment of having to ask difficult questions of like, do you still love me? Like, even if I can't have a child, like, like that, I think that was really difficult for me. But once, once I got there, then I felt really comfortable like asking those questions. And he was Constantly, like, reassuring me and, like, yeah.
5: I think, I think, I feel like sometimes women can read men's minds, but men cannot read women's minds at all. So I feel <laughs> like sometimes it's not a bad thing to be up front with someone, um, but definitely have to gauge the situation of what's going on. Um, like, we were cooped up for three weeks, and uh, we definitely had to have some boundaries of, like, space and stuff like that. Um, because we I mean, were
4: both, for a while, we were both working from home. And we, we're both working outside the home now, which is a lot back to our, more toward our normal routine, which has been really yeah. helpful. But
5: I think, I think it was just important to like, kind of set some of the boundaries, but we can't make the boundaries like too, like constricting. Um, we got to have a little bit more of a flow. Um, but I think it was definitely, um, it wasn't a bad thing that Stacy was just up front with me about how she felt. Um,
4: I think one of the things that came up, like during this time was about um just like it was hard to see people posting about like being with their children and and, and sometimes like like i children are difficult <laughs> and I understand like complaining about your children, but it can be really hard to hear that when like all, all you want to do is like dream and think of like what it might be like to have to be stuck at home with your own kids for however many weeks and so I think that was something that we wrestled with at least I did mm-hmm. I don't know if I communicated that to you tonight
5: I I don't think you communicated <laughs> it like in, in voice but I could definitely tell that um you scroll through Facebook and you get really frustrated sometimes and I had to be like you know maybe stay off Facebook
4: and we'll do something else <laughs> inside so like watch Netflix or <laughs> right. we we did subscribe to Disney Plus <laughs> We, we stopped, though, because he's doing Exodus 90 right now. Um, nice! But yeah! Like, we had to really challenge ourselves to find things. Like, we would go on walks, like, four times a day with our dog. Yeah. Because what are you going to do when you're stuck at home? Yeah. Um, or, like, I don't know. What else do we do? We just
5: try to stay busy. Um, but then also, like, it's difficult when we're both working on our laptops. Like.
4: Yeah. I would try to do, like, exercise workouts and... Yeah. Like, I don't know.
5: Yeah, so I think it was definitely it was hard that it was kind of compounding the difficult situations on top of each other. Um, but I definitely think just Stacy telling me how she felt um, helped a lot because I I have a tough time reading Stacy. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what though? I, that's such a good point, and because I think you know women a lot of times do sort of expect that our husbands or, you know, any man or any, anyone is just going to be able to pick up on the subtlest of cues and know exactly, you know, what's wrong or what we need. And I mean, that's something that we have to get over. I think, you know, whoever we are and the fact that, you know, Keith doesn't pick up on this exact thought that I'm having is okay like it doesn't mean that you know he doesn't love me or he doesn't care it's just that I have to communicate you know I have to communicate you know what I need or what I'm feeling or or whatever and I mean that we have to get over this this thought in our minds that 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 somehow means he doesn't care or the other person doesn't care because they can't read our minds um, so it's important, yeah, for us to speak up and, and, you know, to share our hearts and to share our frustration and, you know, our feelings and our fears and, and whatever it is, you know, it's, that's good. And the more we do that, the more our spouse or our best friend or whoever it is will, you know, be able to pick up on those cues sometimes, you know, and, and we'll be able to, Kind, you know, not exactly read us, um, but, you know, we'll we'll be able to have a better sense of that. So we, I think we just have to be open with each other.
3: I, yeah, I think, I think
2: the we, other side of that too, I'm sorry, don't mean to Joe, jump go, ahead. Stacey real quick, go ahead. Yeah, I think the, the flip side of that coin that's important too, is recognizing that it takes two to tango, right? So the minute that you step back and you start noticing that your wife is in a place where she's really sensitive about something, you know, as the guy, you can't really always, there's some expectation that you're going to have to also be receptive to that and then kind of be sitting and and ready for some unexpected things to pop up so that you're able to anticipate a little bit more what your wife is going through. and, And really, you know, I think one of the things that's challenging as a male dealing with infertility is that. You know, clearly men and women interact with stress and difficulty differently. Uh, people interact with stress and difficulties uh, differently. But as you get to know each other better and as you start kind of learning how each other work through things, uh, you know, the fight really kind of becomes at some point to lean into those difficult situations where you know, oh man, looks like things, it's just going to be an emotive evening tonight. And I'm, it would be easier for me to just kind of go uh, check out maybe for the, for a couple hours in the back room and watch something on YouTube that's mindless or something. But uh, you know, being able to kind of bravely approach that and enter into weather the storm, walk into it, go and let's, let's, let's have it out like we need to. Like that's, I think a lot of what guys can do in those situations uh, to show that you care, to show that you're loving and supporting and to, and to, yeah, not run away from those moments because they can really be a great time to grow closer too.
0: I think on a related note too, and we just got a question on this. So on the flip side of that, as a woman, you know, we tend, I'll speak for myself, I tend to emote more and and have more moments like James just described. Oh, that's
2: weird. That was completely random that I picked out.
0: How do I still support him if I might be feeling particularly drained or stressed in a particular moment, whether it's a treat, something, you know, someone may be going through treatment or just having a hard day after, you know, a pregnancy announcement or something like that. So how do I, you know, you're kind of speaking to getting outside of yourself as a man from the woman's perspective, how do we get outside of ourselves when it does feel like a lot of the time we're the ones who are bearing a lot of the, I I would say like just the more day-to-day interactions with this, um, And that's something I'm growing (laughs) and learning. And I think often it's the more subtle ways that it does affect you, just acknowledging those and, um, giving you that space to, um, speak, you know, oftentimes I just need to stop talking (laughs) and, and like, listen and just give you that moment to, um, express like what you're actually feeling, um, and just not to convince myself that you don't feel anything. I think there's a temptation sometimes to think, oh, you're not feeling anything. And so just stop there. But it's really just giving that space and and letting you know sometimes that I do realize that you feel things about this too. Um, so I don't know if Stacy or Ann, you have
4: anything to add to that? I want to say something, though, about, well, you kind of pointed to, like, the differences when, like, we express grief and emotion and things like that, and I was, had this thought the other day, like, I, I think this experience has helped me, especially to appreciate the fact that my husband doesn't grieve the same way that I do, but I was, I had this, like, it, it, moment where I was, like, what is, both of us were like me like that would be the worst scenario because it would just be like it'd be a wreck all the time you know I I mean like I'm not trying to say like it's not like that all the time but like but to how much I've grown to appreciate like his strength through through moments when I need it and but also like for him to be able to learn how to express his grief more deeply has it's it's been a growing experience for both of us um just to like to be able to lean on each other and and learn from each other's examples and like how how to process and express grief and ali what you said about acknowledging what you're experiencing it's so important through the grieving process to say like okay like this pregnancy announcement or this, shower or whatever or this disappointing appointment or whatever like this happened and it's like causing something in me like maybe it's like I need to take a half personal day off work to like process it instead of trying to like shove it down and ignore it I think it's so important to sort of just like think through what you're feeling and 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 ultimately like make that choice to like give it over to God but you have to like you have to wrestle with it first before you can give it, right? Uh, it's, otherwise, you don't know what you're giving.
1: <laughs> I just want to say really quickly, Stacy, that is a great point. It just um, reveals how, I mean, we don't want adversity. We don't want suffering. God doesn't say you must go find suffering, you know. So, But, but what you have said just reveals the beauty of the complementarity between men, men and women and also, how suffering and adversity, you know, as much as it's, you know, we don't want it, we don't ask for it, it and it's difficult, but how much it can. Um, bring out that complementarity and how much it can teach us about each other and about ourselves, and how we can grow through it. And it doesn't mean we have to like it. It doesn't mean we have to say, "Boy, am I ever glad that we are infertile? Isn't that terrific?" You know. But um, but you know, this this kind of gives us that that little peek in, you know, to sort of into God's heart to say, "Look, you have this adversity, but here's something beautiful. Here's a gift." that can come to you through it and, you know, can even come to your marriage through it. So that, that's a terrific point. Um, thank you for making that.
0: Do you want to read? This was a a question that we, um, got the last time I wanted, I wanted to make sure we give time to talking about relationships outside of marriage, but I wanted to first touch on, um, something that came up frequently during our Facebook live the last time. And since we have, the three men on the phone on the line here today, I thought we could revisit it. Um, so do you
1: want to read that one? Yeah, I can read kinda? it.
2: Sure. So uh, this question was, my husband has a hard time sharing his feelings with me because he says it's his job to lead and protect us. So how can I help him to open up so I don't feel so alone? Yeah. That's a pretty good question right there. Any, <laughs> anybody want to run point with this one
3: since I, since I read it. <laughs>
1: Well, obviously not the women, because we want to hear your answers. So,
3: Well, like I said last time, um, it goes back to what example did I have? Uh, how my father would deal with stress and anxiety and grief, and he wouldn't show it. And, and I sometimes think back now, I said, you know, um, how did he communicate that to my mother all these years growing up, raising such a big family and going through a lot and, um, but you know, I, it's true. I mean, our examples usually come from our parents because that's what we, um, we witnessed growing up. So, you know, that's how we learn to deal with things the way our parents do and good or bad, not that it's always good or bad, but you know, maybe we should understand more and, and try to each generation is different. And I, I certainly know that my parents' generation is a lot different than today's generation. But, um, but we, all, we have to understand that him not reacting verbally or more demonstratively doesn't mean that he didn't care about these things.
1: Yeah, but that brings up, I think, an important point, which is family of origin and how key that is in how we express ourselves and communicate with each other and how we need to learn that about our spouse um, and about their family of origin. So it doesn't mean, okay, now I just accept that. That's the example he got. I mean, so we need to work on that together, but the starting point is to look at each of us, look at our families of origin um, and see how we express and deal with grief or stress or anger or, or communicate, that's, you know, that's a really important starting point. And I think that's difficult. It's difficult for us to look at. Um, if the example was great all the time, okay, that's a breeze, but, you know, it's harder to look at and reflect on, um, you know, some of the, the ways that, um, or some of the, maybe bad habits we learned in terms of of how we communicate and express ourselves. But it's important for us to reflect on that.
5: Yeah, I would say going at a different angle, um, I would say what helped me open up to Stacey um, was uh, we went to adoration, which isn't super possible right now. Um, but Stacey wrote an article about it, um, about uh, we were at a retreat and we're in adoration um, and like, I read a Bible passage and it kind of just struck my heart Um, and kind of having like that, not much like a faith conversion, um, but like God, like I felt like God was saying something to me. Um, It made me really like take it to my heart. Um, So that way when Stacy did bring it up, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, So maybe a way could be like, you know, encourage your husband to like maybe go on a men's weekend Um, or maybe just, you know, go out to dinner and be like, Hey honey, can we go to adoration now? Um, Which isn't possible right now. Um, but maybe just like instead of trying to um, like take this to your husband, maybe try to take your husband to God so that way God can try to intervene into his heart
2: man that's that 's a great point there Phil uh, I think it really kind of gets back to the core purpose of what we 're supposed to do as married people to begin with, which you know you 're married bef- most most of us are married before we learn that there 's infertility issues, so being able to kind of go back to that is a source of of strength and power for you know reminding yourselves of what the foundation is that your marriage is built on and use that for confronting this like these difficult situations I think is so important. Um, and then it's just one other little uh, end point on that too I think is really important that you know you can always say how you feel. Uh, I've done this with Ali before and it's been helpful for me, especially when I'm tired or it's just a difficult time listening or uh, kind of sitting there with whatever Ali might be going through. You know, sometimes I'll just say like, all right, it's hard for me to be here right now. I'm going to be here right now. and I'm just, I'm here. I'm just right here. And I'm just going to be here. And sometimes, and sometimes that's enough. Um, But being able to even just kind of vocalize that, you know, this is not the most fun place in the world to be at the moment, but it's where I need to be. And I'm here for you because I love you. Um, That's a really powerful message, despite how difficult things can kind of just be to Uh, especially deal with a a difficult conversation or a difficult moment for whatever your spouse is going through.
1: Uh, James, as you were speaking, the image that came to my mind was of Christ on the cross and Mary on one side and John, the apostle on the other side. And um, neither one of them probably really wanted to be there. They didn't want to be in that position to see the one they loved in such torment and pain Um, and they couldn't do anything to change it. So simply being there as uncomfortable as it was, you know, was powerful. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a great image and it takes us back again to prayer, which it, which should be, you know, the basis for, for all of this is always to go back to prayer.
2: Yeah. That's a beautiful reflection. Yeah. Wow
0: i sit on that sit with that for a while. <laughs> yeah. so this is a little bit um a different question. I don't know if anyone can speak to this personally, but um we have a question about when our spouse doesn't believe um and possibly even sees infertility as proof that God isn't loving, and I think this question could be related to a lot of situations. Um, you know, I think all of us, even believers, can be tempted to think that God doesn't love us.
2: Um, You mean specifically believe in God, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Belief in God is what we're talking about here. But I think all of us face the temptation sometimes or have in the past that this means, this is proof that God doesn't love us. Um, So I want to open up this question, but I also want to make a plug for our um, book club coming up in July where we're actually going to be reading um, the, the diary of a woman who this was her situation. Um, I don't know about how the husband specifically related to infertility, but he was an atheist and, um, her life, I know it's just amazing, um, amazing witness. And he ends up becoming, um, a priest actually after she dies. So anyway, it's, um, maybe not something that you can directly relate to with your question, but maybe it'll be a source of inspiration. So definitely look for that in July. We'll be reading the secret diary of Elizabeth Lister. Um, so I'll open it up when our spouses uh, um, just has a different, uh, view than us. Go ahead.
4: I don't know if this relates specifically only because the only experience, I mean, we both are practicing Catholics. We believe in God, but, um, I remember having this conversation with Phil when I was really upset one day, and I had never seen him be upset. and And I said to him, "Um, like, don't you like? Aren't you gonna cry? Aren't you sad about this? Like, what we're going through? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand why am i the only one feeling like this." And and he said, "You know, like, I have." he he shared with me like that he's spoken with some of his friends about like processing the grief. And, and I think this, I don't, I share this because it's not specifically about turning to God or like um, it, I don't know if it relates, but like, um, I guess taking the time to consider like the way that your spouse experiences it is important. And and that it's not going to look identical to yours. And so for, for their, for her spouse, maybe for them, it's okay. You know, maybe God isn't real. Um, and I feel like I'm
1: doing a terrible job answering this question. <laughs> um, anybody have anything to add? I mean, it's hard. It It's hard I think it's hard because I've been there I mean I you know we're cradle Catholics practicing you know, but this this infertility I mean this maybe naively on our part since we did get married later in life, but I mean it really hit us like a ton of bricks. It was like what got like what do you mean you know I mean Keith, you know a good man lived a really good life. I, a good person, you know, but definitely had my period where I drifted away and where I lived very differently and even left the church for a little while and had, a, you know, this major conversion of heart and came back. So like we're doing it all right. What, you know, where is the reward what you're not holding up your end of the bargain Lord and so I think it's natural for us to go through that infertility or not when we, when we you know, have some kind of difficulty or suffering in our lives. Um, I, don't, I don't have like a magic thing. I can't say, well, have him read this book or, you know, tell him this formula and, you know, this will make it all come together. I think it's really something that we each have to work And struggle through um, ourselves. And when it's a spouse or any loved one that we see in this situation, um, it it is going to take to go back to that image, James, it's gonna take sitting in the uncomfortable place at the cross. Um, And so I would say, you know, I don't I don't have any, again, a magic answer or anything too profound, but for a spouse, in this case, for a woman who is experiencing this, be with your husband, love your husband, love your husband well, and strengthen your own relationship with God, strengthen, strengthen your prayer life, um, go to confession frequently now that we can hopefully go <laughs> where you are, you know, go to the Eucharist, spend your time in prayer. Um, I would think that it would not be helpful to kind of push. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. And what you know? Well, what about this? And and sort of trying to convince him. At least you know you might not be at that point right now where where that's going to be productive. And the last thing you want to do is is push him away. Um, so give him that space but you continue, you know, the, the prayer, um, but love him, like really love him and show him that despite this adversity and despite his, you know, hostility toward God, when he knows how much you love God, that you still love him. And I think that that will, that will go a long way toward at least, you know, maybe having a little softening of heart, maybe, you know, the Lord only needs like a tiny little sliver um, in order to kind of slip in there and change our hearts. And so um, just keep, keep praying, but keep, keep loving him and supporting him.
5: I, I think personally um, just like trying to build a relationship with your husband might help a lot. Um, and just like the small things, maybe like, Hey, you want to go on a walk? Uh, and slowly if he sees, um, like what Anne was saying, like you build a relationship with God, um, you just build a relationship with your husband might help a lot too. Um, you know, maybe just go on a walk. Um, maybe like, Hey honey, you want to get carry out and just like, you know, have fruitful conversations about something, not about faith. Um, and I feel like naturally he'll be drawn in, um, be like, Hey honey, like I see you've been reading a lot of books. Um, but like maybe just not even talk about it at all about faith. Um, and maybe we take a different route. Um, but I think, I think just having different discussions, maybe not just all about infertility might help a lot of just opening up this heart.
4: I also think that offering it up to God, I mean, recognizing if this is causing pain in your heart, that like your husband, I know for me, it would be really difficult if my husband was struggling with belief in God and faith in God. Um, recognize that as as a pain in your heart, and and choose to like give that suffering over to Jesus because it is a form of suffering. Um, when you see somebody that you love, you know, making the, a choice to turn from God, it's painful for you. So I guess recognizing the pain of that experience and then choosing to give it to God um, and no and trust. I guess it's a really it's a asking. God is asking you to trust him deeply um because like Elizabeth Lister like we just talked about her husband was an atheist and he didn't convert until after she died and that was a major point of suffering for her um was that her husband would criticize her for her her faith and her belief in God and and so um recognize that yeah, it hurts that my spouse is questioning his belief in God, but then like take it on as your mission, as your, as, as he's your spouse to pray for him. Um, I, when, when Phil was like looking for a new job for a while, I like really intentionally prayed for that intention for him. Um, I like offered him up to the blessed mother and, I like took a miraculous medal and pinned it on his side of the bed and like <laughs> in the morning when his alarm would go off and he hit the snooze button, I would reach my hand out. He hated this because mm-hmm. once he got on and knew what I was doing, he'd be, like start twitching. But <laughs> but I'd reach out and I would like, because his, his alarm would wake me up and in between seasons, I'd, I'd pray over him in the morning. um, Like just like asking God to fill him with grace. And I, I think that's been a really like a strong source of like recognizing God's grace in our lives. Um, Praying over your spouse can be a really powerful thing if you haven't done it.
1: And recognizing that he's obviously in pain too. If he's saying, you know, that this infertility is, you know, a sign that God doesn't love. I mean, he says, I don't believe in God. And yet he says, this is a sign that he doesn't love us. So there's pain there and there's longing there. So you may have to, stand by the cross and and you know wait what
4: helps me the most is to consider that if like seriously if god didn't love me like i would cease to exist mm-hmm. so like i know that i know that god is there and that he cares for me and that he loves me and like also to focus on the the blessings in our life has helped a lot too um we list them off at night before we go to sleep like just like putting yourself in a place of gratitude helps you to realize like obviously god is here because he has all these amazing things for us in our life.
0: Yeah. I want to um change tax just um a little bit here about communicating with other people in our lives. So I think one of the biggest questions um when it comes to communication with other people is how do we talk about our experience of infertility with other people? So I think, um, this could range from, you know, our closest friends to strangers that we meet because it's a very popular question, obviously. When are you going to have kids or do you have children? How many children do you have? Um,
2: why don't y'all have kids yet? Y'all want (laughs) to have kids. You're so nice.
0: (laughs) And all the assumptions that may go along with that, you know, we live in a culture that says that children come, um, you know, when we want them, how we want them, in whatever order and um, sequence we want them. So um, I think we spoke about this a little bit during the live session, but I thought we could um, touch on it again so I know for me, I know Kimberly. I remember brought this up, but she likes to just be honest with people, and I think I'm increasing encouraged to be able to do that um, with more people. And I think it does depend. It takes discernment um, and prudence sometimes to decide how honest to be. But um, I do think there's a little bit of an opportunity there to evangelize and to really um, like speak the truth of what our experience is. I personally don't want people to assume that we don't want children. I find that more hurtful than the hurt that I might incur by just being a little bit more honest. Um, Hmm. So I'd rather start from that point, but, um, but I think it, you know, it's very personal decision and I think it also depends on who's on the other side, who's the recipient of that information as well. So we have to guard our hearts sometimes.
2: But you know what, I'll find this too, that I think that in general when people are asking that question, they usually aren't coming from a place where they want you to feel bad. Right. So just knowing, uh, I mean, you got to read the situation, but in general, most of the times when I'm around people and they're asking a question like that, I'm at, I'm at work. I'm at a other environment where you're around people. It's casual conversation or whatever. And it's like a natural, what's the next thing to flow into? Oh, well, here's an easy topic. How many kids you got? How long y'all been married? Uh, y'all want to have kids, you know, and, and, and it's the small talk aspect of that that I, I find as a guy, I encounter a lot. Um, but usually in those moments especially if it's a business situation the other person isn't trying to be like ha, ha, you can't have kids ah, ha, 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 or anything like that so just knowing in the back of your mind already that you're dealing with a situation where an individual is trying to come at something from a positive standpoint and weighing that out as a guy you know one of the things that I like to say is you know well you know we'd love to have kids but god just hasn't given us any yet which is a fun response because of two reasons one you basically assert that you know, God means something to your marriage in the way that you're interacting with your wife. Uh, And then two, you also kind of point out that, you know, this is kind of a tough thing. Um, It's not quite as easy as what it might look like. Um, And it kind of speaks to a more authentic sort of way of dealing with your day to day. Uh, That kind of reveals more about your own character, reveals more about how you're relating to your wife. And, And I often find that that kind of leads to another opportunity to kind of sometimes even take conversations in a really meaningful direction, which not saying that you ever do this for business development or anything, but there is the added perk of being able to relate to somebody else on a deeper level, especially within a business environment that, that I think is also helpful. Right.
1: That's a great point, James. I think, um, because this is such a personal and sensitive issue we can really take things to heart. I mean, there's no doubt that there are people in the world who are just not self-aware and are maybe even not all that nice. And they say things, you know, and they don't care if they're hurtful or whatever. But by and large, most people are really coming from a place of goodwill. And I remember that I was once at a conference, it was a Catholic conference, huge conference in Florida. And I, I went to a table Um, and there was an exhibit with, with lots of different products, um, you know, um, brochures and different things on ministries. And, and I asked the, you know, the girl who was there, if there was anything about infertility and, um, you know, she kind of pointed to a couple of things and we started to talk about it and, and I found out that she went to the John Paul II Institute. So we had the same formation and, um, but as we talked about infertility, she said, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not married yet, but I don't know what I would do if I found out I couldn't have children. I mean, I think I'd rather have cancer than to find out that I couldn't have children. I know, and um, and I, you know, I thought for a second, wow, this, you know, this this person and I have the same formation, and yet, you know, she has such a, a different understanding. Although, you know, I thought back to myself and you know, back when, when I was still in school way before I was married and I ever, you know, I never would have thought about infertility or, or the possibility that I couldn't have children. And so I may have thought the same thing. I may have reacted the same thing and the same way. And so, um, you know, I, I, explained a little bit about my situation, of course she was mortified. And I could see that she did not, she was, she was well-meaning. She, she was not meaning to be hurtful, but it opened up a conversation that I almost wish that someone had had for me back when I was a grad student and, you know, excited and, you know, ready to get out and evangelize the world. Um, And I've said this or if, if we had not dealt with infertility, you know, I probably wouldn't have cared about it too much. I wouldn't have been, you know, I might have been sympathetic, but, but I wouldn't have understood, um, understood the, the issue the way that I do now, and I probably wouldn't have been as charitable as, you know, as I might be now. So it was a really good opportunity for me to kind of talk with her about that and enlighten her a little bit. So, you know what, next time when she has a sister or a best friend who is dealing with infertility, um, she'll have a sensitivity that she didn't before. So, you know, I think that's the other side of, of the coin is that we can really take these as opportunities to be charitable, to be loving, and also to educate and and make people aware so that they can become, you know, kind of more sensitive and charitable themselves.
2: Yeah, and my goodness, this is absolutely this is absolutely one of those topics that is so poorly catechized. It's so poorly uh, taught. I mean, I remember even just thinking about going back to our marriage prep. Uh, I want to say that within the diocese of Dallas, where we are, there was, you know. I, I don't know, a 30 minutes portion there that was kind of like, all right, now we're going to talk about kids. How many kids do you think you'd like to have? And you sit down there and you compare the numbers that you think you're going to have. And then, the, and then you get like the one follow-up question, like, what would you do if you don't have kids? It's like, well, I don't know, adopt? Sure, why not? Uh, or something like that, right? It's just like these glib little moments where it's not, like, it's not like people, when they're even entering into marriage, they have somebody come up that are like, hey, by the way, as a possibility here, you might not be able to have children. And together, you two should probably have some discussions about what that could look like or what that means, or if that changes, what it will look like entering into the marriage that you're going to enter into.
3: And all of these...
1: The question itself is kind of like when you think about it now, like how many kids do you want to have? I mean, a better question is about having children. And have you thought about that? Have you talked about children? But I mean, again, as if we have control, even if we can have children, as if we can have control about, you know, absolutely how many there will be. Um, yeah, this is a great point for marriage prep. Yeah, and I think we've actually found like
0: this beautiful connection with people kind of on the other end of the spectrum who like have, um, you know, like extreme fertility, I guess you could call it. But they also face these, like, I know my, my sister is kind of more on that side, and, and she faces very difficult questions from people who say things like, well, what are you going to stop having kids? You have so many. And so it's actually been kind of beautiful to realize that there's this unity with living in this radical way where you are accepting what God gives you, recognizing that you don't have control And, um, just allowing him to guide your life. And, you know, that comes in all different forms and infertility is one of them. But I know for me personally, that that's been, um, it's just been a really, uh, opening and and beautiful aspect of living with this cross, um, with family and friends that, you know, may, they may have a different cross, but there are similarities. So, um, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit too about, um, we mentioned pastors. And I think, Anne, you wrote some um, really helpful resources for pastors around Mother's Day and how they can support us. But I just wanted to open up with a question for um, how we can communicate our needs as, you know, couples dealing with this in our parishes. And there's a wide variety of, you know, um, pastors out there who support us in different ways and some that may not be very um, aware of this struggle. So I want to just open it up to communication
1: um, with with clergy and pastors in our lives. Yeah, I mean, James, you mentioned marriage prep um, and this, you know, this um, issue of infertility really not being addressed there. I mean, I think it's really not addressed so much in seminary. I, I mean, it is probably more from a bioethical standpoint, right, and, you know, different me- or contraception or, you know, different... Um, um, techniques that the church says are licit or not. But, um, but, but not, I think really from a strongly pastoral standpoint. And I know for me, you know, my brother, um, is a priest, Father Frank, and, um, you know, he, he gave the opening prayer for our virtual retreat. And, you know, I was kind of talking with him about what we want to accomplish with the retreat and, and that sort of thing. And, course, we had the, the retreat over Mother's Day weekend, and um, that we weren't back at church yet, so we were live streaming, and, and Keith and I were watching um, Father Frank's uh, liturgy from Florida, and, um, you know, he, he mentioned um, that it was Mother's Day, and he made... Um, a point of mentioning those people who are godmothers and who are aunts and mentors and right, you know, and, and just acknowledging that, um, you know, their spiritual motherhood. And, you know, afterward I said to him, wow, I'm, I was really glad to hear that you did that. And, and he said, well, I learned that from you, you know, I, you know, just even from the experience of you know, my talking with him and participating a little bit in the retreat the way that he did. So, I mean, we we have things that we can teach our pastors too, but it's kind of like the way we started this whole thing with communication and we have to tell our spouse, you know, how we're feeling. I mean, we have to do the same thing, you know, I think with our pastors because oftentimes they just don't know. You
4: know. It's so important, I think, to um, it, it takes a lot of courage. So if you're not at that point yet, like just yeah. pray, pray to God that he gives you the courage to speak up. But, um, I pretty early on, like had conversations with my pastor. I work for the, I work for my parish. So like, it's a little bit different too. Cause I have normal conversations with him, but, um, this after like, it's, it's taken years to get to this point, but, um, my pastor and I, he asked us to help with our local Catholic radio share hour for our parish, where our parish was supposed to fundraise money. And halfway through the segment, they take a little break and I was talking with a host about things that have been going on. I mentioned Springs in the Desert and my pastor was like, why don't you talk about that in the second half of the episode? And I was like, Oh <laughs> okay <laughs> and and I was just totally shocked because like we've I mean I've mentioned things to him before and like but it's never really been like a long conversation like it's casual like maybe I'll send him an email and he'll be like, this is nice, but that's it like that's kind of where it ends sometimes but like, so it don't expect your pastor to understand right away. And, and, and just with your spouse, I mean, like don't expect, or for whatever person you're communicating with, don't expect them to understand right away. Um, but eventually it might click. Um, this reminds me of on my birthday party, um, at my parents' house, my nephew, who is two or three. Uh, he's three. He's three. And he said to me, did did all your children die? And I was like, oh what? and I pulled him aside afterwards and I and I said to him, um, you know, like not not all parents can have children. And his response to me was, I need a napkin for my popsicle. <laughs> but I I know that like that's where the conversation might start. Um but I know, like, like it, it it takes time for people to understand. So, like, if don't feel frustrated if their first response is like, "Can I have a napkin?" <laughs> um, because like, it's uncomfortable for both sides. Like, you, if you're uncomfortable, it, they're also uncomfortable. Um, so just trust that over time, you're planting those seeds, and eventually, like, like you might be able to have these open conversations to talk more about it. I know uh, Phil's brother's a priest also and his sister struggled with infertility for a few years before they um, got pregnant and and she's had many conversations <laughs> with her brother about um, the experience and, and it's made it more possible for us to talk openly with him about the experience. So it, it takes it takes time, so just be patient, but it's so important to have those conversations.
2: Yeah, charity and humility. It's like those are the two things. You take those into any conversation and it just opens doors.
0: That's right. So it's already been an hour. I can't believe it. But I wanted to, before we kind of just have some final words, I wanted to just plug our next Facebook Live event. So in addition to the podcast, we'll also be having another Facebook Live event, which will be on the podcast as well. Um, that'll be on July 13th. Um, and at the same time, and we're going to be talking about um, discerning treatment. So not only when to stop treatment, but the many decisions that go along with treatment, when to continue it, taking a break, um, those aspects of um, infertility. So please join us for that. Um, submit questions just like we we have right now. And um, yeah, we'll be happy to have you there. And... Um, What else do we need to say, Ann?
1: I'm blanking. You you know, actually, um, James, because we did have a a couple of questions about kind of a man's point of view, I wonder if you would just mention something about Father's Day as we're recording this. Father's Day is coming up. So kind of some of the things that we're thinking about and doing um, ahead of Father's Day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we've gotten from a lot of feedback is the understanding or I guess the acknowledgement of there's not a lot of resources out about infertility specifically geared towards men. Um, so one of the things that we're reacting out of are these questions, but we're trying to, we're generating content and all of this is kind of going under the sub subheading of a man's take. So we're going to start posting, uh, you know, me and some other people in our organization, uh, Phil's writing a reflection for us over father's day uh, week here coming up. Uh, your brother, Father Frank, is uh, contributing some information. Uh, Kimberly's husband is uh, giving us some information or some some reflections. So we're posting content that's going to help people to just kind of see a little bit more about especially how guys relate to infertility and really looking to the example of perhaps one of the, the greatest infertile saints uh, who's, ever, who's ever lived, St. Joseph. Um, so as we kind of go into Father's Day week, we're going to be posting a number of reflections specifically about St. Joseph his life, and really how his acceptance of infertility led to really, I mean, the salvation of mankind. So we're going to be doing that. We're also going to be uh, doing some podcasts intermittently as we go along here, specifically under the title, A Man's Take. We're going to get some male perspective out there and really try to provide resources to help men see, you know, what can we do? Here we are in this situation where we weren't expecting it. We weren't thinking we were going to be here, but here we are. Um, so how do you be a man in this situation? Um, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to try to come up with a few. (laughs) So if you're interested in that, keep your eyes peeled. We're going to be letting you all know when more of this content's rolling out. It's coming down the pipeline though. It's in the works. Uh, so check it out when that comes about.
0: Yes. So definitely follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. And please, um, if you're not already part of our private discussion group by the same name Springs in the desert. Um, join us there. We can we can continue to discuss uh, communication and many other topics. We have weekly discussion posts, photo shares, prayer intentions, a lot of um, good stuff on there. And we're really trying to create a community of, you know, people who um, are going through this and also people who want to support us. So find us on there. Any last words, Ann or Stacy or Phil or Keith?
4: Thank I, you, Allie, for being a great <laughs> person. <laughs>
1: Hostess. The, hostess with the mostest right yeah no i want to thank everybody for um i want to thank the team for um you know getting together for this hour it really kind of flew by and just to thank everybody who um watched us live or is going to watch or listen later on. And you know, like Ali said, please follow us on our social media, email us at info at If you have questions or comments, if there's a topic you would like us to discuss, if you need prayer, you know, if you just need to ask for prayer. Um, please let us know, you know, the team, we all pray, we all have our own kind of prayer routine and rule, um, but, but we keep springs in the desert and everyone who follows and reads us in our prayers. So please don't hesitate to, to ask us because we want to be here for, for you in that way. We want to support you as, as a community um, and as the body of Christ. We want to lift you up in prayer. Um, so, please, you know, walk with us and stay with us and keep in touch with us. You want to say anything? No, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> free. He, he communicates that I did a good job. That's right. So, what, good
0: communication. work that I point? want, right? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all right, y'all. And um, one last thing there's been some really great resources shared on the chat. Um, we haven't been able to name them all and call them out, but definitely check out the chat if you're watching this later. There's really awesome. Videos and resources that y'all um, have been sharing. So thank you for that. And we will see you on the podcast and then we'll see you again here in July. Great,
1: great. Thank you all. God bless everybody.
2: Thanks
1: bye bye.